Janie Stoller, welcome to Relatively Healthy. We are so excited to be back after a hiatus, which has been painful to say the least, because the news keeps happening and there's no one for me to talk to. I'm so alone. So I'm happy you're here. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, we explore topics related to healthcare, gender politics, and self-care, and basically anything about your body or your life or the news that's keeping you up at night. So some of the topics that we have coming up are plastic surgery, social media addiction, and how much I have it, and getting old, and how scared I am. I mean, they're not all about me. I hope that you find some relevant information for yourself, too. I want to bring in experts, the people I know in my life who um, know a lot more than me, and comedians to come on together to talk about these heavy topics and try to make sense of them. So... Uh, We're going to have, obviously, Dr. Ellen uh, still, and we're going to have all the different people in my life. I'm very lucky to know smart people, so lawyers and all, you know, other people with real jobs that I know. Um, So we are, we still have the phone line and we want your questions. We want your feedback. If you are looking for advice, if you have any topics that come up that you need an expert opinion on, our phone number is 1844STOLARX. That's S T O L A R X. And we'd love to hear from you. And we're just so excited to keep this thing going. So, today on the podcast, we are talking about consent, which is a super tricky, broad topic, and I think a really important one to discuss. Since we've been on hiatus, we've seen the Times Up movement and the Me Too movement, and there's been a lot of conversation on social media and in the media about what these issues involve, I think we can bring something different to the conversation. And I honestly think something that was lacking is someone who interacts with these issues day to day and someone who has the perspective of the law and also the people who are interacting with the justice system with these issues. So I'm super excited to have on my cousin, His name is Jared Gunsberg. He's a criminal defense attorney in Los Angeles, and he's great. And my friend, the amazing comedian Aaron Byrne, who's also very thoughtful and has similar experience to me interacting with these issues. So I hope that this conversation brings in a new perspective that you find valuable. Okay, so we're here. I'm with my friend who's also a comedian, Aaron Byrne, and we're talking about consent today, which is... We're just going to hit all the hot buttons. That's the goal. So I'm going to start off. I'm just going to say, I think this whole thing, the Me Too, Me Too movement and Time's Up has just been a lot of work for women. And I'm very tired. And every day with all the news, it just feels like more work for us to have to process it and explain it to people and relive trauma. And it's really been hard. And hopefully we're like exercising demons right now when we're moving to something better. But it's exhausting. And it also, I feel like if maybe one man with any kind of platform or microphone like conceded that like this is the reality like said like I have behaved in a way that is maybe like not so admirable or like it's like if every woman is talking about like this is an experience that I've had and no man has come forward to be like I am complicit in this behavior like I have behaved this way because of x y or z I think that there's no like full understanding of what's happening because all you're getting is like the violence and harm and everything that's being done to women. And we're trying to process all that. And then we're not hearing anything from men. Like we hear men are like, I believe you, like some men, <laughs> I believe also, you. Also, <laughs> like the apologies have been really bad. I think all the so famous bad. people don't listen to their PR agents because it's like they don't say sorry. They'll or they explain what you they feel do. That, I'm, yeah, you I'm feel sorry you feel that way. And like Louis C.K.'s was my favorite because he was like, those were my fans. He just turned those people in a workplace scenario into people that were beneath him. And I had a situation where I was dealing with like all the Me Too Facebook posts were coming out and it was a lot. And I posted just Me Too or something like that. And I got a, I could see in the preview, I had like a very long Facebook message. And I was like, uh oh, I don't even know who this person is. I don't know how I'm friends with him. And then he launched into this whole thing about how we were on a sketch team together years ago. I don't even remember him. 
And there was something that happened where he could tell I was uncomfortable. And the reasons why it happened were that the director, the female director made him do it. And he knew it was wrong at the time. And it wasn't his fault. And I was like, yeah, okay. So now I have to like, figure out if I'm going to forgive you. It's about you. You didn't even have the kindness to just offer a like, I want to talk about this if you're open. So I just feel like that was very indicative of what happened in this movement. I'm like, oh, okay, more on us. Well, and especially since like, you're still hearing from women that like, why would one incident totally ruin your life? Why, like, why are we painting women as being so fragile? Why, why are we like experiencing something and then burying it down deep and then bringing it back up again and just continuing that idea that it's not still not safe to share, even though so many people are sharing, right? It's, it's not, it's not safe to be vocal about the full circumstances of what happened. Like you can say I was a victim of sexual assault or rape or something like, like if you want to be vocal about your trauma, then great. But it doesn't make somebody who isn't willing to be vocal any less like brave for continuing on. I know. And, and it's very frustrating to me that like, cause I saw on Facebook, you know, uh, women posting like I confronted my abuser I confronted I confronted my rapist like I'm brave like I'm proud or whatever and implied and like or I felt like because I I am a victim and I've never confronted the the person that I had this experience with and it makes me feel like <laughs> I'm still not doing it right there's so much like right what's the right way to come forward what's the right way to to confront these situations as they're happening or after the fact or before the fact. And it's like, because there's no unity in what that's supposed to look like, it's like, everyone's like, okay, well, this happened to me or they don't say anything at all. And it's so, it it still feels so isolating, even though there's so much more, there's so much more discussion about what's going on. I think that a lot of women that I've talked to still feel like, their situation feels so isolated and and they feel alone in what happened. Right, right, right. And and then they feel like if they don't speak out, then there's judgment or that they have to. Yeah, yeah. totally. So we're upset, but we have an expert here, which is really great because this person is so smart and gets it and sees things we don't see in our little liberal Facebook bubbles. And it's my cousin, Jared, and he is a criminal defense attorney, which is so cool. It's cool, right? pretty cool. <laughs> Some days it's cooler than others. Some days it's cooler than others. So I'm excited to have you here because I do think like in this conversation, we have a lot of conversations that don't actually pertain to one, the law at all. Like we don't even know where the law draws the line. So we're just talking in theory and all that kind of thing. And then the second thing is we don't, we don't understand sort of what like actual cases of sex crime sometimes look like, like what happens when you bring the law into it. And I've seen that like there was, um, a girl, like the most I've seen it this year was that a girl I know got sued for libel for saying a man was a rapist. Like that's the most I've seen about any of these cases. So I'm, I don't even know what happens like when you report a sex crime or anything. But I want to get your opinions on like the whole movement and what you've seen. And if you feel like there's stuff in the conversation that we're missing, basically. So the... Uh what you're both talking about, and I think it echoes what a lot of women are talking about and men and everybody in this moment, is something very different than the legal issues. These are uh, gender dynamic issues. These are cultural issues. These are issues of respect. These are issues of how boys are raised and the way that girls are raised and the mixed messages they receive about sex and sexuality and power dynamics. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending what side you're sitting on, that doesn't have anything to do with the law, which turns on the issue of consent. And in California, which is the law that I know about because I'm a lawyer in California, um, consent is a question of fact, meaning it's not a legal issue. It's something a jury has to decide. It's something even before you get to a jury that a detective has to decide that a prosecutor has to decide. And was it reasonable that somebody charged with the sex offense believed 
there was consent. And that is a wide open field of discussion for a jury. So I feel like for all the talk about consent, that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wide and deep and long discussion. Right. Cause I think when I was raised believing, like if someone says no, then it is not consensual, but anything else is fair game. I feel like there was no conversation of a gray area at all. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think legally that is the, what, they would call and again it's a business where people sometimes sound uh less respectful of the process but it's just because it's just the nature of the beast but that's a slam dunk case where there's hard and fast evidence that someone said no and stop and get away from me and it went from there now the issue of course on these cases is you know what other evidence is there you know in a in a in in one scenario, a, a woman goes and, and get, makes a report to the police immediately and a sexual assault response team at a hospital uh, takes a rape kit and all these things happen. And there's a statement that's given right away. But what happens when it's a couple days later and there's no physical evidence and the uh, person who is making the report, it's just what's called a one in one. And meaning that the person making the report has a story. There's no other witnesses. There's no other evidence. The accused um, knows what he's doing, is going to call a lawyer right away. And 9.99 out of 10 times, I am instructing this person not to make any statements to the police. That's the common situation because mm. the only person that can then get him uh, in, in trouble or have a case to cause a case to be filed against him is his own statements. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's the issue. That's really interesting. So, and also like you in just, if it's a not, it's a verbal thing, you can't prove that to the jury. I mean, it's one word against another. There's no way to. Sure. And they'll, they'll try. I mean, I've had those cases, Yeah, you know, and, um, but it's, it's, it's tough. Wow. It's, it's a tough thing to prove. That's interesting. And then it's also knowing that for a victim, do they want to go through the process if they know that the outcome may not work out in their favor? I mean, right. it's a crazy, traumatic, expensive process to go through. Yeah. And they're, they're, they have to go through this whole process. They have to show up um, certainly at a trial, um, maybe at what's called a preliminary hearing before. Um and they have to be subject to going through all this with prosecutors, with police detectives. Um, and then at trial, they're going to get on the witness stand in front of 12 to 15 licensed drivers that they've never met before sitting in that jury box. And someone like me <laughs> is going to get up and really ask them very difficult questions. Yeah. Very difficult questions. You know, it's no fun for any. It's the worst part of the job for a defense lawyer, but it's the job. Right. And, um, you know, dealing with sexual assault cases and, and people who may have been victimized. Um, but once you're in the mode, you're once you're in the zone, you're in the zone. Wow. And it's um, it's difficult. Yeah, it sounds like it. How long would you say one of these like the whole procedure like for like f from like if a woman Im like immediately went and and did the rape kit like and wanted to prosecute, how long could that period take? I'm sure it's like di super it, different for everybody. It depends. Case. And again, this is this is this moment, right, where people want to know. I think we want to know finite answers. It depends on the police agency. It depends on how busy they are. It depends if they have a dedicated sex crimes unit or if it's just general detectives. It depends on what prosecuting agency is prosecuting it. Um it depends on how long it takes for them to get a case together because how it works is the police take do their investigation they get all their reports they get everything done the last person they talk to that they try to talk to is the accused somebody that they believe would be the defendant and then what they do is they get all that together then they got to take it to the da and the da has to review it the district attorney has to review it and make a decision if they're going to file this case or not so that can take up to six months 
you know that's terrifying because then well, in that, the and meantime, that's just that's just for the filing it can take a year it can there's really no time and then once the case gets rolling if it's a serious case there's a lot and more investigation that has to be done for the defense so and you can understand why some women would just be like i want to move on mm-hmm. i don't want this guy mad at me i don't want to like have this i don't want to be attached to this right because then their name is also part of it now it's a whole thing and the like you i could see people are always like well why didn't she come forward or he come forward yeah. and it's always this is the alternative so in in wanting to process on your own terms i feel like it's so important and when you are pro- like going through this process, it's all out of your hands. It's like basically all you can do is give your statement and mm-hmm. give it over and over and over. And and you're kind of stuck in this time loop and you ultimately don't, you have no power over what that decision looks like. Right. No. I mean, in California, the victims have, there's a law where the victims have to be consulted about the ultimate outcome of a case if they decide to go forward, but they don't have a say mm. in what happens. They have the right to be notified and participate about the ultimate disposition if it doesn't go to trial, if they make a plea deal. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it, it, it can be really, it can be re-traumatizing. And I think that's a really good point that they're, you can't do it on your own terms because now you're in the, you're in the system. You are in the system and it is a unwieldy, doesn't really care about anybody's feelings or trauma or process um even though they try to try to it just can't it's right. it's not it's not it's not that it's not a therapeutic process right it's the criminal justice system which i think is also so interesting for people who say well a lot of these people are just making false accusations i mean when you think about the actual reality of what happens well i've seen that too okay so talk about that. you know i mean <laughs> that happens yeah and um you know it's interesting i want to go back to a comment you made about how nobody uh says they're sorry mm-hmm. right that nobody in these situations i don't know i i am not i am not as up on all the celebrity stuff as you all may be but you know i don't know but generally speaking if you're within the statute of limitations and in California now, but it, it, for these older crimes that wouldn't apply, there is no statute of limitations for forcible rape anymore. Um, but there was at the time. So depending on the statute of limitations and even civil liability, no lawyer is going to advise somebody to say sorry. Mm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. So it's not the PR people. Mm. It's the lawyers. The lawyers. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wouldn't advise somebody to say sorry. Because then it implies that you're culpable. Absolutely. It's yes. consciousness of guilt. Why'd you mm. say sorry? Oh, that... That's a technique the police use when investigating these cases where they'll find some uh, they'll find someone who's filed a report and they'll say, okay, uh, you're going to send some text messages. And it's called a, a, a pretext. It used to be a pretext phone call. Now it's a pretext text where the police will um, script out um you know, tell, tell them, you know, I can't believe what you did to me last night and I can't believe this happened. And they're trying to get the person on the other end to say, oh, I'm sorry. I can't believe what I did that. And then that's, that's evidence or admit it. That could be evidence. It is evidence. It is. It is evidence. Wow. I didn't think of that. I thought that these guys had PR agents being like, just don't, just move on. Well, me, I I don't know the inner workings. No, that makes more sense than what my theory was. Yeah. That's so interesting. Legally, I I mean, I, I can't imagine one you know the celebrities aren't calling me to (laughs) clean up their mess (laughs) they should but they they um they uh are uh yeah you you can't advise you can't advise that's so interesting apologize wow you know and these people also it's funny they're all being held to the court of public opinion like suddenly we became a very moral society overnight funny that i mean isn't it great like harvey weinstein's just hobnobbing with everyone and the second it's no longer cool to have a whole system in place to assault women then no he's gone and like that's the punishment but it wasn't there two days ago it was there the second we just all of a sudden decided it was no longer okay it's kind of true of a lot of things. That's right? true. I mean, <laughs> That's very true. You know? Yeah. And I wonder if that'll end because I feel like things have sort of trickled down. Like we had maybe some of the guys, the celebrities that came out, they were on the fence and it's fine. And there's, they'll all have comebacks and they'll all be fine. And we're not really talking about consent anymore. I feel like we moved past really quickly. That's interesting. Like, I feel like now we're talking about other crazy subjects we don't have to talk about, but I feel like it was like consent for a month. 
and then other stuff now. Right. So I don't know if a celebrity. Yeah, is but sex and guns aren't going anywhere. I mean, you know, well, <laughs> it's it, America. It'll, it'll be this will be back. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's true. I mean, just watching this. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm I went to college in the early '90s, and it was before social media, but all this was certainly around then. I think mm-hmm. for Gen X, this we've we've been here. Yeah. You know, we've been here before. And again, I'm not speaking legally, more culturally, because, you know, uh, but but uh, we've seen, we've, we've been in this moment. It's just amplified now. People are, um, I think, more empowered. Obviously, social media, obviously, the news cycles are faster. But for whatever reason, people feel a little more connected. And mm-hmm. I think that's because of online culture. That's interesting. Whereas in the early 90s, you you weren't, you know, they would have take back the night marches. Right. But it would just be like, you know, a couple colleges in town. Nobody really knew what anybody else was doing, you know. Right. That's interesting. And I think with like, we had Take Back the Night, but it was so cut and dry what it was. We didn't have conversations about consent or about anything other than like true, like the idea of a person who committed sexual assault, my whole education was a person in a dark alley. Like it was never right. someone you knew. Right. And I feel like now suddenly a lot of people are realizing, oh, I've done something to someone I know or I, it's been done to me in a much more subtle way. And I hope that that will continue with the shift in the culture, that like the next generation will understand that and it'll be part of how, like you mentioned, how we raise boys, that this will be something embedded in the culture, like more ability to talk about that and right. understanding of that. Yeah, I mean, I've never had a, a the proverbial person in a dark alley case and no criminal defense lawyer I know has had one. That's so interesting. It's not how these cases go. It's not how they work. Yeah. I'm going to cough again. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a huge consent campaign um, at my college. I went to a small liberal arts college for all women. So the prominent campaign was called Consent is Sexy, which is a nonprofit organization. And they uh, employ this program in lots of colleges. And the message of that or like the optics of it made me think that consent is a like can be part of your sexual experience. Like the idea that of con- like consent is sexy m- made me made me think that it was some sexes like that. Mm. And and even when you go on the website now in 2018, it's like it's f- like way far down that it says rape is a crime and and mm. sex without consent is rape. And that this idea that like consent is like cool and it's a cool thing to do and not rape is a crime, which I feel like <laughs> is the the truth yeah, and the truth of the trendy law. Right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like and also the way that we talk about consent is so problematic because for me, what consent, the way that consent has been discussed as a woman and like in a heterosexual situation, because that's my experience, is that you are asked for consent, you're asked, do you want to have sex or do this act? And you say yes, and then you move forward. But what about the situation where you're just kind of like going with it and you don't want to disrupt the vibe and you're like waiting for him to ask, but he doesn't really ever ask. And then you're like, oh, maybe I don't really want to do this. But it's like, I think about the emails that I send to like male coworkers and how like, like precious I am as to not like disrupt their feelings or like, or like do something that they don't want to do. Like in that kind of situation where everything is really vulnerable, I like shut down. Like I'm not trying to answer that direct question or I'm not trying to answer that question if it's not asked to me like pointedly and directly with his agency. Like I'm not going to like, if we're making out, I'm not going to say to him, Hey, I'm not interested in having sex. Like I'm, I feel like I have been socialized to just like go with it yeah, and wait and, and hope that he knows that he's supposed to ask and right, like right. cross my fingers about that. And that is like, a horrible <laughs> way. Right, because it's also putting it on the woman again to like have to say something, to have to negotiate whether I want to upset this person or not or seem a certain way or whatever. It's on them to, I mean, and there's also in a heterosexual relationship because that's also my very hetero experience. But it's like you you are socialized to just not know how to like do that properly or that they're not, they're not going to ask you. So it's just the way things are that I hope is changing. I have a question too about these NDAs people have been signing because that's what's been confusing to me too is like with the Weinstein case and some of the other ones, these people that were speaking out had NDAs. Can they really 
bar you from speaking about something like that? Like, is an NDA, can that be as all-inclusive as covering criminal activity as well? Well, it depends. Um, you know, not necessarily, you can be compelled by a court to uh, break the NDA. Um, but again, criminal activity is a, right. um, if you have have a civil agreement to resolve a sexual harassment claim, that is a different thing. It's not like saying, hey, there's, you know, you, you found a body in the trunk and, you know, we're going to have an NDA. Obviously, you can't do that. You know, that's, 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 a, that's a clean cut thing. Um, but you can't, you can't disclaim, you know, if this is, if it's, it's the gray area, it's okay. We had a sexual harassment situation and we have a confidential settlement. And if you break the NDA, it's going to cost you whatever the penalty is. Um, you're going to take that risk after you've already, again, you've already been through this. Maybe you've already processed it. So just because everybody's now coming forward, it's a decision that you got to make if you want to risk it. If you want to risk it. Um, I don't know. You know, and it's interesting, too, because this conversation, even the one we're having now, I mean, this is a podcast. People are going to listen to this in their hybrids, and, you know, and and I think the issues here and it's the I'm assuming it's the common experience of the three of us sitting here. You know, we went to college, middle class, white people. It is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. What goes on? So what consent issues are we talking about? What what power dynamics are we talking about? In what communities are we talking about? Are we it is completely different across the socioeconomic spectrum, across the cultural spectrum, uh, communities of color. And that's even too broad. You know, you got to pare this down. Things happen differently in different communities and in different cultures. And what has been interesting to me, and again, I don't know anything. So I'm a lawyer dealing with this stuff. So I don't claim to understand, you know, what everyone goes through. I don't. Um, but I see it. And these issues are different. So it's sort of, again, this moment is we're going to put everything mm -hmm. under one rubric. Right, right. Right. We're going to look at everything. Everything is <laughs> this big, broad thing of consent. And <laughs> yeah. we're going to we're going to just put it in this this. We're going to frame it in a way that we all understand, which is right. like, oh, we went to college. And like, this is what we learned. And we have these experiences and we read a lot about it. And we it's just not. It's just not the way things are. And I'm always curious, where where does the microphone get handed? Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. does the mic get handed? Mm -hmm. um, because I see a lot of people every day that no one is talking to them mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Also, the, like how I don't know how to make the conversation more broad because it is something where you only know what you know right. and the media that we consume is people who are speaking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, there's, it's very insular, very insular, Yeah, you know, and okay. Hollywood. I'm, yeah. Someone was telling me there's a, I'm not, I don't, don't dunk on me or <laughs> at me or if anyone listens to this or whatever <laughs> people do, but you know, there's a hotline now in Hollywood that you can like call. Right. I mean, what other who's got the hot where yeah, plenty of neighborhoods there's no hotline right right you know police don't even come right so you know sort of there's this walled off view of it that um i wonder about yeah and i wonder where this conversation is going to go to the next level but i haven't seen it yet yeah it hasn't really mm -mm. it feels very circular and then there's a think piece and then there's another think piece mm -hmm. about that think piece and then the first person writes and it's like for the same people. Just, it's all the same people. For the same people. Yeah. For the I, same people. And it's. Just, I, do you think it'll go? Do you think the laws will change? Do you think, like in California, there's any movement that? You well, know? It to bring it back, and I, I'm, I, I didn't think of this before. I'm thinking of this as it's come to mind. This sort of insular uh, quality mm -hmm. of this is that the law did change in California, and I don't know. I have to check a year, two years, maybe two years ago. The. Uh, Affirmative consent is now the rule in colleges in oh, California. So they took 
Title IX, mm-hmm. which dealt with it's an administrative code that dealt with issue, deals with all kinds of gender equality issues from athletics, you know, down to issues of consent. And they changed the procedures in colleges that there has to be affirmative consent in California to comply with the requirements of Title IX that were that was an Obama era policy. And so now in California, affirmative consent is the rule for colleges or they risk losing funding and everything else. So that's changed. But again, that's very insular. Who? Right. Right. That's such a small group. And that's got its own problems. Right. It's got its own problems. Totally. You know? Absolutely. So. Oh, that's really interesting. Was that did that was that have to do with anything with like the Brock Turner case? It was California. It was before, before Brock before Turner. That? Oh interesting. Yeah, it was before Brock Turner. Wow. That's an interesting case. That's there's a, a very see, interesting there's a lot case, and there was yeah. a lot with class yeah. and race. Mm-hmm. More uh, again, I mean it's like this moment it's just so hard to talk about yeah, this. It's so yeah. third rail, but the you know, yeah, he, he the, the the somebody wrote a letter to the judge saying, "Oh, this has been terrible. He hasn't been able to eat his favorite ribeye steak." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> L.A. County. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, crazy. it's crazy. crazy. I mean, what's going on up there that, that somebody would do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to take that letter to the judge. Like, it's right. going to have some kind of effect. It's crazy. Unbelievable. So more than the, gen- the gender dynamic, what happened to this woman is horrible. And then there's this added layer of this class politics on it that makes your head explode. Yeah. It made mine explode anyway. I don't know. Yeah, that's so interesting. I and think there's yeah. no advocacy for looking outside of because even I was thrilled with the like the time like the times up like all of that come like all of these like women in Hollywood coming forward and saying it's not going to be like this here anymore but it as you said it's very it's narrow and what what efforts are those people who are the like the only people honestly that we're looking to like celebrities are, like I mean, for me, this is talking in my experience. And Janie, I know that you're similar. It's like what what they're doing and what their opinions are informs so much of the like what we hear and see because it's just like what our world is, right? But nobody is talking about like the the intersectional the intersectional issues with this. It's like these are people who are paid a lot of money and are exploited sexually and deal with this in the workplace. But what like what about I mean, the horrible things that are happening to the people who literally have nowhere else to go and the cops won't come to their house. What mm-hmm. are like what's happening for them? And the people who have the resources to address that because I have not, I mean, I haven't, I'm not like, don't have my finger on the pulse of like what's going on with California law, but I don't hear anything about changes that are being made to address those specific issues or resources that are being made available to all of the people that are affected by these issues. Cause Mm -hmm. it's not just women, it's not just famous women, it's Mm -hmm. not just working women. It's like every person is affected and touched by this. But like what Facebook and social media and whatever, what we're all interested in seeing is what like they're doing, like the the celebrities and this kind of like upper echelon, how are they reacting to it? Because that informs our behavior also. Mm-hmm. And it, there's like this, I mean, for me, at least like hearing all these stories, you know, is, you know, quote unquote triggering and it's hard to hear, but it's also like, there's some like voyeuristic aspect to it too. Because that is weird. It's weird because it's like it's still in a way like gossip. Yeah. It's still, you know, it feels like there's nothing substantial, like there's nothing substantial happening. Like there's no, there's, it just, it feels really top, like topical, not Mm -hmm. like topical, like on topic, but on the top. Right, right. Surface, whatever. Right. And I think like personally, like what I'm waiting for is <laughs> for someone to like say, hey, this is not I mean, I, I think what's been what's been good about the Time's Up uh, movement is that they talk about that it's not just Hollywood, but that's all we're seeing. It's also a lot of talk, though. It's so much talk. I mean, what does it really Wearing mean? Wearing black at an award show mm-hmm. and 
Like I'm, and and that's not a sacrifice. Everyone wears a lot of black great. and worship. Everyone looks you, very it's slim. Swimming. Yes, <laughs> you look great. In black. Everyone wins. I'm like, okay. I mean, we don't could pick a wear... less flattering color. Everyone wears should wear orange. I don't watch that much of this, but they always wear. They always wear black. The men are always wearing black. The men wear black. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, the men truly didn't have to do anything. That was a perfect example of how Hollywood is treated. As the men just wore no, their normal suits. They should have had to wear something ridiculous. The men should have had to wear like clown outfits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I mean, they brought people on who were outside of Hollywood. Hollywood to like raise awareness. But again, what does that do? What does it actually do? You're aware of it, but then what? And I think that's the culture we live in. I'm aware of it. And now what? Right. I've I've recognized the I've recognized the problem. Yes. Well, I'm done now. And then I'm done. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like even in this conversation, I'm like, oh, of course, I'm so myopic. I want to look outside my bubble. Now what? <laughs> I, it's hard. I mean, yeah. I, I work outside of the bubble and you know, I, I go home at the end. Of, I go back to the bubble at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it's, you know, we're all aware of it, but it is it is difficult. You know, you asked about the, what legal resources there are for people that don't have the platform. And I don't see the I don't see the law change. The law is a is a giant. Clunky cargo ship, you know, it takes forever to turn around. You got to pass legislation and then if it's in California, it's usually screwed up so then they have to fix it, you know, and it, you have to then let courts interpret what the law means. And, you know, I don't know how to legislate a lot of this, mm-hmm. you know, consent is a factual question. You know, you can't have finite elements in a jury trial for consent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... Right. There's really you know, no people way people decide. That, yeah. 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 That's also what makes that whole like legal process so like harmful and problematic for a lot of victims because what is like what is the end game of that? Right? Like there's mm-hmm. no there's no like addressing the like systemic issue of like rape culture when you like go when you're a victim and you yeah. like give your statement and then either he's guilty or he's not. And he pres- like maybe goes to jail or maybe, you know, and he like goes to jail for, or she, or a person right. you, like has their sentence and then it's over. And there's no, it's, it's just like, you mean for ha- the, like there's nothing for the victim at the Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's what justice looks like for some people, but Ultimately, that doesn't change like that doesn't change anything. It, cha- mm-hmm. it you know, it makes the your the accused like go to jail and and that's bad for them, probably. Well, and, mean, you, yeah. and in most sex crimes, you have to register as a sex offender, which right. is, you know, uh, that's a life sentence. Right. And right. You, you see cases that are the conduct is minimal, you know, while, while certainly not legal conduct, but. I'm talking about like misdemeanor sexual battery is now it, it, what has it's always been a crime where you have to register as a sex offender. Mm-hmm. They've changed the laws in California where you you're not necessarily on for life for every offense anymore, but you're on that sex offender list. You got residency requirements. You can't live in certain places. It shows up on every background check, and it it is a life it is a life mm. sentence. Interesting. So that's one that's on the defendant side, right? On the victim side, again, going back to your point, which is I, which I'm going to use in life because I think it is such a, a really excellent point, which is that you lose control of how you are going to process this mm. and how you are going to deal with this. Is that, <coughs> excuse me, that you, um, once you light the fuse, once you make that report, you're done. There's no going. There's no change in your mind. You know, you see this in. Uh, domestic violence, uh, you know, uh, intimate partner battery cases where everyone always changes their mind. You know, they never, they, not always, but I, a lot of the time. Really? Most of the, oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They, they don't want to, they don't want to go forward. Oh, wow. And there's, there's all these laws around it. You mm. know, the, the victims recant in, you know, I don't want to give a percentage, but a lot, a lot, an overwhelming amount, the victim recants in domestic violence cases, especially what we call bad night cases, you know, where nobody got hurt. It was just some pushing and shoving and that, you know, they don't want to go forward. Wow. 
but they have to. But they have to. Once you light the fuse, that's really interesting. Once you wow. light the fuse, that's it. That's it. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. And they will subpoena you. They will drag you. The DA will drag you into court and put your butt on that witness stand and make you testify. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Like, uh, like. They when can't send you to jail if you don't, but they'll right. make you get counseling and they'll do all these things you're, you're to try in. to coerce you're, your you're testimony. Just stuck yeah. there, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Oh my god. And and the the pro like the processing process or whatever is so varied for every person, and it's so like shifts radically from how you feel or you know, what the circumstances are, or and to not. I mean, it just makes me think of like the idea of agency as a victim. Like period, mm-hmm. like whatever occurred where you felt if if you felt you had no agency, and then all of a sudden, like you really don't have any agency, and to feel like this is just something else that's happening to you, I'm sure would feel could potentially feel so traumatic to someone who felt like they were robbed of something during an incident, and it is very frustrating to me because. That process, like this, like legal um, process, like who, like who is it meant to ultimately serve? Obviously, like the idea Great of question. quote unquote justice, right? But who is it actually serving? What is it actually solving? Right. What is it doing to help? Pre- I don't know if prevent right, like if is- the goal is to prevent a future incident or to deter, you know others that know this person like what is the ultimate goal and is it even achieving that in the end yeah or will it give closure to the victim you don't know right you don't know so yeah you're just giving your you know lighting the fuse and then just yeah and that's that's it that's it and uh, i don't think people are aware of that yeah that's really interesting i don't think they are either i mean i don't think i mean some people are but I don't yeah. think a lot of people are aware of that. And wow. I, w- I wish that this part, like what we're talking about with you, Jared, was more part of the conversation because yeah. I, like it's be, like being assaulted is something that I always like that'll never happen to me. And I think that it's a lot of uh, what a lot of women and men and people think like this will never. Ha- I know that it happens, but it'll never happen to me. But then having no idea. Like if if I were if I were robbed you know, I would know immediately what I'm supposed sure. to do, right? But if you're raped, like, I mean, I'm sure also if someone was robbed, like, they might feel like I can't, like, I don't know, like, feel, like, traumatized and stuff like that. But it's such an, an intimate, violent crime like that to not really have any idea what your course of action is or what your options are because it honestly sounds like there aren't really that many options you have to go right away otherwise there's no physical evidence and it's just like your word against the accused and it it sounds like the way that it's structured you know it's a crapshoot it sounds like there's no it's a crapshoot because how good your lawyer is or like if you're dumb and you accidentally say i'm sorry or not not or you or you admit it you know the police will try to get the accused down you know the line is always look i know this is probably nothing but i got i got i got the file on my desk just come down to the police station just tell me what happened so i can clear it you know that means you're going you're never you're not walking out you're going to get arrested and that they're going to get a statement out of you so you know i advise people don't go to the police station do not um police are allowed to lie to you so uh to get a statement so that's because they know that is their best shot right right (coughs) sorry i keep coughing the um the that is their best chance their best chance is that they get a confession or just to say hey yeah, we had sex, but it was consensual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an, that can be enough. That's enough. That, well, they've you've now said that you were there, right? And then if there's no evidence yeah. and no statement, and it's just one person saying, "Yeah, you know, he was there," and then there's no other evidence, and they can't prove he was there, and he's not making any statements, and there's no physical evidence. Interesting. Wow. What do you got? What's the case? God, this is mind blowing. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's you know, but when you way. think about it, I'll ask you both a yeah. question. What What's the alternative? What is the alternative? I mean, that's why the court of public a, opinion is not a, so bad. Right. Because maybe it's that's really, what you got. I mean, yeah, like in the age of social media, maybe it's not so bad. There's these secret lists where it's like, don't work with this person. That's how we're going to punish them. Don't date them. Make them feel like they're being ostracized. Take away things they love. I mean, it's not right, but it's sometimes it makes when I know about people, it makes me feel empowered. Like, oh, I get to also punish them right. <laughs> more than they're probably going to be punished in any other way. Like, right. especially no- in comedy, which is not a very insular, very insular community. We talk and then we don't work with those people and that's their job and that's their livelihood. And then you kind of like cut them out. <laughs> Maybe that social pressure and economic pressure right. and career pressure is more effective that's what in I some ways than the than the criminal justice system, right. which is narrow, which is narrow. And it's really unfortunate that that would only exist in certain bubbles of communities where you could do that. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you can't right. do that in no. 99.9999% of professions no. or social circles. But in like in if you have the opportunity, it is kind of nice to be like, I'm going to serve this person justice by knowing what they did and like acting like it, you know. But yeah, it's better than having to go through that process, probably. Yeah, it's 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 confusing. It's confusing. It's confusing. And then there's also so many men. I'm I'm very I'm sorry. I'm so binary in this conversation. So many people that have taken this opportunity in this moment to not have a conversation that's at all nuanced, but taken the stance of like, well, when people are naming names, they're going to name fake names and they're going to falsely accuse someone, which sounds like you've encountered. Mm -hmm. But in like the my experience with people who in this sort of court of public and professional opinion, I feel like as far as I know, that hasn't happened because the stakes are very high in that little arena to be someone who's accused of being, you know, hysterical or like someone who does that. I feel like I haven't seen that happen myself. Like, I feel like the people who go out of their way to tell their friends and their community that this happened, then multiple people start coming forward. Like, that just tends to be the trend. So I just think it's weird that sometimes the stance people have chosen to take in this moment is, well, you know, they shouldn't just be naming names. That's like, uh, you know, a witch hunt culture or something like that. So I think that's a weird stance of all the stances to take right now. I just see that and I'm like, why is this the side you're taking in this moment? You know what I mean? I mean, it seems... It seems like an like the best move to make is to believe when like right. always believe when when somebody comes forward in that way because you're right it's like everything like you put everything on the line for like when you make that kind of statement because you think about the way that Harvey Weinstein was able to operate for decades and the protection that was around him and how like he was meant to be exposed in the early 90s but because of the high powered people around around him they were able to totally squash that New York Times story that and the the women who did resist were like totally like they had they had no career like they were like mm-hmm. totally done for and it's not just like the moment that you come forward, it's like you put your whole like livelihood on the line in. And honestly, in a way, that's like lighting the fuse, too, because once it's right. out there in the court of public opinion or whatever, you that's it. That's it's it. gone. The, no, it's no longer your story. Exactly. You can you can maybe comment on it again, but like it's already done. Right. It's and the done. person's going to know that you said it mm-hmm. immediately. And then they're going to whatever that means. That means that they're going to know that you said something. Yeah. Totally. Which is very different than the law. Like that's yes. like a totally different so situation. Different. So yeah, I think it's really, it's interesting though. I just, you blew my mind, like just saying how insular the conversation is. Cause I knew it, but I didn't really know it. It's insular. I'm like, we're experiencing it very differently than. There's most people don't know who Harvey Weinstein is. Right. Right. They're not reading. They just don't. No. Don't care. And it's not part of their daily existence or life or concerns of a lot of far more pressing concerns. Yeah, exactly. Isn't to take away what Harvey Weinstein is accused of, if proven to be true, is horrible. And a lot of it is obviously true. Right. Not all of it's probably true. All of it probably is true. It's just it's but it is 
and the way that also this story isn't relatable like it doesn't matter because no. this is the richest man in the world who has mm-hmm. Israeli spies working for him. Like it's not a story that even translates to other people. You, you can't. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean, you know, anything to most people, no. and, nor should it. No. Yeah. And especially when you're dealing, I mean, you know, cycles, generations of families uh, where sexual abuse is just that's just how it is where you know the secrets are are locked deep mm-hmm. and um things that would never occur to people to report them as crimes that it, it's just a different it's just a different uh it's a different framing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a different framing totally yeah interesting and it is an issue that touches at every person Mm -hmm. it's it's in it's in all like socioeconomic circles it's in all cultures and as i mentioned before i think it's really frustrating that the most powerful most vocal people in the entire world who like their experience is not relatable at like holistically their experience is not relatable to anybody Mm -mm. that there's no, there's no movement to address the systemic sexual violence that happens to like that's happened like throughout all cultures universally like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no addressing that because like, how do you even how would it's like we saying even we're going to address violence? Yeah. Right, right, how, yeah. How do we like what is what like what is rehabilitation like? What does awareness look like? What is like? And and resource like there's no resources for anybody, Mm-mm. and it's just this horrible festering issue that right. there's no there's like no what do you do right? Well, if I can really if I really can bum you out, please um, please do. The what can happen is you look at what happens with kids is that if they're in a situation in which they're sexually abused, boys and girls, to the point that they get removed from the home. And they get put into the Department of Children and Family Services or Child Protective Services, depending what county you're in. And you go to a foster family or a group home or you're shuttled around with different relatives. And it's whack-a-mole, you know? There's no there's no real consistency in services. There's no money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's people mm-hmm. that are doing the bare minimum often to avoid liability mm. rather than actually trying to treat the problem. There's wonderful social workers out there. But that's that does happen that most people fall through the cracks and then what happens is all of a sudden they turn 13 or 14 and this happens in la county and they uh start committing a crime Mm -hmm. because they have all these untreated issues they have all this trauma that's never been addressed they haven't had any stable environment and then after they pick up a couple crimes Social services says we're done with them and shuttles them over to the probation department and the cycle then continues Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it flips where they're no longer, oh, we have to figure out how to help these kids. We then have to figure out how to punish these kids. Why aren't you going to school? I don't know. I was, you know, systematically raped and abused from the time I was five years old. Right. And now I'm 14. Right. And no one's ever dealt with it. Right. And so then I we stole flip a, a phone. Switch. Right. Right. And now you're the perpetrator. You're the criminal. Right. right. We punish you. And that's what happened. So it's yeah. a very short window. Um, you know, you want to talk about victim blaming. Mm-hmm. That's where it's, that's mm-hmm. where it starts. Mm-hmm. That's victim blaming. Right. Well, the law doesn't process any, like like the no. the law doesn't consider any of those factors. It's just based on like evidence and like whatever. Yeah, took place, I mean, people right? in the juvenile system will j- try to jump up and down, but at a certain point, it's it's overwhelming. Right. There's so much of this story I just described yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. People yeah. are trying. There's wonderful people trying, but that's... But it's just a huge, 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 massive issue. That speaks so... Yeah. Again, going back to old Harvey. Right. And everybody else, they're like a little... They're one tiny star right. in the cosmos. Right. Do, they're one the tiny work. star yeah. in the cosmos. Yeah. And so part of me feels mm-hmm. 
like you we have these celebrities that don't seem like real people so you can put everything on them not get get harvey weinstein is going to get what he deserves yet culturally mm-hmm. it is interesting that it is easy to do that yes absolutely and deal with something that nobody knows how to unwind that's so true it's so true and it's like also this thing where it's like i can i want to take down the pretty famous person too Mm -hmm. there's like a joy in that versus dealing with these much more nuanced Mm -hmm. and really unsettling and systematic issues that we realize are just getting bigger every day. Yeah. Like I'd rather just point to James Franco and say, you're an idiot. That's it. It's so much easier. A hundred percent. Totally rational too. I mean, it's not like anyone's doing anything wrong. It is a rational human response. Right. Because then you feel like, okay, I've done something. I have control. I did this. I'm a good person. Check the box. I've done my job. I totally get that. Yeah. I think it's like, that's so, you could map that onto any American issue. It's like. Yeah, we're seeing it with guns now. Guns now. It's the exact same thing. It's just like, I'm going to just check whatever box is available in front of me and then I've done my job. <laughs> and move on. It's we're going to move on. It's someone else's problem. Someone else's problem to fix the entire I mean, imagine, political we're system. We're on a podcast. Imagine me like telling this story at a dinner party, <laughs> like whatever, like at a, an L.A. dinner party. I'm like, right. well, you know <laughs> what happens to kids, right? right? I mean, I, right. Can't, I can't do that. I know. I wish you could. <laughs> I, know, and I really wish that you could, too, yeah. because I honestly feel like I won't get invited back anywhere, it's so, though. It's so true. I know. Yeah. It's also like, you know, you're hanging out with families and you're hanging out, you know, yeah. you're talking about your kids. So you're yeah. not going to bring up, you know, we d- we raise our kids right. But like, there's, no, there's kids, always a yeah. the look. People like I have some friends, criminal justice, in the criminal justice system and criminal defense lawyers that we sort of cross over it, right. in and out of the bubble. And right. we'll hear things. There's always that look across the table like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a load of this? My sister, Dr. Allen, too. Sometimes she'll tell me a story and I'll be like, I can't hear this right now. It makes me too sad. It's like, no, this is reality. reality. (laughs) I can't even hear the story at dinner about it. Yeah, it makes me too upset. So now I get to come here and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, you don't, you don't, you can't. So that's the thing. We don't want to, we don't want to hear about it. Right. We don't want to hear about it. Well, because you can't, I mean, I was going to say you can't do anything about it. And that's like, I think the hardest and saddest thing to realize, like, what like what can like what can you do? What can you do? And like, what can politicians even do? Yeah, like, there's not really much. So no, hey, think, blame James Franco. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean honestly, I will yes. blame James Franco yes. because yeah, like like I I am I will call out every creep and and like like retweet every like like because there's it's right. so much better to at least name those things that you can than you that you can <laughs> than have to deal with all of what's unknown and like bubbling underneath the surface. And what's been like really emotionally exhausting about this whole time that we've had since last October, as you said, women are doing like a lot of the work for this too. And having to explain like what consent is supposed to look like or explain like why you should believe victims or explain why X, Y, or Z. But even that is such a like a narrow view of what's actually happening. You know, the, the, like the the hellish like imaginations or whatever of like of all of the things that we like we'll never probably know to the extent of what people are experiencing and the fact that i can say that harvey weinstein is an effing creep or whatever makes me feel better about about it because at least something is being said about what's about what's happening and an issue that's touching literally every every person yeah and that I feel like there's a little bit of power in that, but like then what? And then what? Yeah. And how is it not just about you as an individual? How is it about other people? Because like at the end of the day, personally, I'm grateful that within my bubble there's been more conversation. Cause then I just know people know they're not alone. And like if they want to talk to someone, there's more of a culture of being able to like talk about these things. Absolutely. Which I think is awesome. But then when you start to look at it beyond the small network of the people you're friends with on Facebook and the people yeah. who follow the same people on Twitter, then you realize, so then what? What right. happens next? Yeah. Most people aren't on Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Nor should they be. Yeah. No, it's a bad no, place. No, it's a bad place. A bad place. <laughs> it's yeah. a bad place. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is such an uplifting note to end on. <laughs> I have a wine blog. We can talk oh, about yeah, let's that. Talk, let's like, talk about that. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much. This has really been an eye-opening conversation for me. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for being here. Sure. Um, so, Cousin Jared, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where should they go? They can go? go to Jared Gunsberg. I have like two followers and I mostly just don't talk about anything interesting. Once awesome. in a while, I talk about something interesting but not very often but if you need a criminal defense attorney can't recommend yes. highly enough thank you yeah. thank you wonderful person what i also recommend you as a cousin you're a great cousin thank you you are too thank good you cousin. so much it's yeah good, good cousin it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and aaron where can people find you oh i'm on twitter at es burn and i vary between tweeting about how much locks i eat and how i love josh groban and then mm. also like super angry tweets about <laughs> james franco about james franco <laughs> so do you good. eat the locks while listening to Josh Groban? <laughs> no, I think I'm mostly just fascinated by Josh Groban. Do you know he's half Jewish, actually? Just I did not know that. to the locks thing. Yeah. And he's one of those who does... I always thought he was... I thought he was Jewish. Full? Maybe. I don't know. Josh Groban sounds... But he, they always do the Christmas albums. It throws me off. Neil Diamond. Right. You, got, you have to do the Christmas album because to, it just sells every honestly, year. You never have to do, deal with it again. Right? Seriously, you do we should one all and then it's just like, do yeah. Christmas albums. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Everyone should have a Christmas yeah. album. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. Well, thank you guys so much. We'll see you in the bubble. And yes. thanks for listening. We hope you like this conversation about consent. If you have any questions on this topic, please give us a call at 1-844-STOLARX. That's S-T-O-L-A-R-X. And we'd love to hear from you. And I can also get my cousin back and we can answer your questions on air. For more, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Please rate us five stars. Every five-star review is amazing. And stay tuned because we're going to have new episodes every Monday. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.